Thank you for sticking through those commercial breaks, and I am excited to introduce our guest today, someone I consider a friend. Obi Nwasu is a co-founder of Fetty Mints and a board member of Jack Dorsey and Jay-Z's Bitcoin Trust. We're going to be diving in with Obi, and I am not doing your resume and your experience any justice. I will let you tell the audience what you would like them to know you for, but Obi, thank you for joining us and welcome. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. An intro. So... I am probably most well known now for being the co-founder and CEO of Feddy, which is powered by Feddy Mint. It's this form of community custody that is going to bring Bitcoin to billions over the coming years. And then beyond that, I am a board member at B-Trust, which was a not-for-profit set up originally from a generous donation from Jack Dorsey and Jay-Z nearly a year ago now. And we're going to have some announcements around that, hopefully, at Afro Bitcoin 2022 in Ghana. So there'll be watch this space on that. And then finally, I'm a board member at another organization called Gridless Compute, which is an African-based Bitcoin mining company, which is helping accelerate the electrification of rural East Africa by accelerating the adoption of renewables, only possible because of Bitcoin mining. And so that's also very exciting. But basically, it's all Bitcoin, all empowering the global self, all with global impact all the time. That's me. And, you know, I want to really emphasize this point because I think it gets lost in the fray of what Fetty and Fediment in particular is supposed to accomplish. And it's not this, oh, let's, let's buy this token and wait for it to moon and we'll get rich. This is a real world present day we need to we need better money and this is that solution to that problem this isn't mm. let's go shitcoin and and create a solution for a problem that doesn't exist this is a real world problem that exists i want to just start i'm going to hijack this conversation now for a second p i, I don't want to do the ob background stuff yet we're going to do all about ob in a second but honestly this is just getting me so jazzed like how did the idea of Fetty, like what inspired you and the team to say like, hey, this is the problem. How are we going to solve it? And then this is how we're going to solve it. Okay. So there's, there's Fetty Mint and then there's Fetty. So Fetty Mint is this open source protocol, a bit like the way Bitcoin is a protocol for the store of value. Lightning is a protocol for the transfer of that Bitcoin around at a low cost at high speed and also increased privacy on the, as a side effect. Well, Fediment is a protocol for storing that value, at custodying that value with incredible privacy in a way where you're using your community to have each other's back effectively. So they work really well together. Effectively, they're both layers of two. When your money's at rest, you store it in Fediment. And when your money's on the move, you use Lightning. But the money is Bitcoin underneath both of those. So so that's that's the Fediment protocol. And that actually had its roots, well, actually, if you go way back, 39 years with Chami and Ecash, and then, you know, 13 years or so ago with the invention of Bitcoin, and then uh, four or five years ago with Liquid's popularization of federation technology used for blockchain's popularization of federations was used for Liquid. When those things were combined, a number of incredible sort of cypherpunks and cryptographers thought that we can combine these things together and take Chamin Ekash, invented by David Chaum in 1983, which was considered catnip for cryptographers, some of the best form of, of privacy technology out there, 
combine it with the best form of money, Bitcoin, which for the first time multiple people could hold. And then federations allowed you to sort of federate this Chamia Mint with Bitcoin as the backing money as opposed to US dollars, which was David Chan's original attempt. So work started three or four years ago, and there were a number of projects running in parallel, but my now co-founder, Eric Syrian, uh, was working on one called Fedimint. And about two or so years ago, Blockstream saw it, got really excited about it, started sponsoring him. And about a year ago, I saw it when I was, and I didn't mention this, I ran the UK's longest running Bitcoin exchange. At one point, it had 70% market share of the UK. Did the whole New York Stock Exchange, Gavel, and we were used as a Bitcoin GBP. First regulated exchange in Gibraltar, all that sort of stuff, but that's the past now. But while selling that company, I was looking for a way of getting people off exchanges because I was getting increasingly concerned that there was there would be liquidity begets liquidity and there's going to be increasing centralization around exchanges. I could see this sort of Orwellian future where there's half a dozen exchanges, each with a billion users each, with full visibility, more, in my mind, just as bad as, as having CBDCs by countries, because this is where we're going to head up, going to end up with if we just carry on the way we're going. So we needed an alternative to custody on exchange. Now, the obvious alternative is first party custody, i.e. do-it-yourself custody. But if you just look at the numbers and if you look at the due to the people that we, for example, just that CoinFloor tried and talked to to try to get to self-custody, we realized that with the best will in the world, you're going to get 5% of people, maybe 10% self-custody, but that still leaves 90 to 95% trapped in these exchanges. So I was looking for a solution to get people off exchanges. I was at Hackers Congress last year. I bumped into Eric. We had a conversation. I suggested some of my ideas. He politely told me why they wouldn't work. And then he told me, I asked him what he was working on. He told me about Fedimint. And he saw it as this incredible privacy technology, which it is. But with my, my exchange operator hat on, I realized that this was actually a solution to getting people off exchanges, if architected correctly. And that's where Fedimint, I started getting involved. I started cheerleading it. And I talked about it at Bitcoin Miami. That led to Alex Gladstein asking me to go to Oslo Freedom Forum to talk about it more. And I then met some of the bravest men and women I've ever met an opportunity to met and who are human rights defenders and activists from around the world. You, you, you may have met, if you get to Ghana, I hope you're there, you'll see Farida Nabarema from, from Togo, for example, Fadi El Salamin from Palestine, Roya Maboub from Afghanistan, the, the creator of the first Afghanistan all women's robotics team, when women weren't allowed to, you know, to study and so on and so forth. And it, the list goes on. And they were all realizing that the problems and the challenges they were having around the world, whether it was Latin America, Africa, or post-Soviet regions of the world, although they seemed very different and the authoritarian regimes and dictators that they were battling against seemed very diverse, they all had a common thread. Those groups used weaponized money. And through high hyper levels of inflation and many other mechanisms, and so they realized that if they wanted to push back against these forces, they needed to be able to control their own money. So they weren't Bitcoiners, but they came to Bitcoin because they needed to solve problems. But they were running into scaling issues. They wanted to roll these out to millions of people at rapid scale in, in multiple of these regions. 
And what I realized there was that only, only Feddy Mint could do that. And so it went from a, this was in May, it went from Feddy Mint as an incredible open source protocol that we were supporting and letting organically grow. But I came back on June the 1st, talked to, and now the co-founders are growing to myself, Eric, and Justin Moon, another incredible soul. I explained what I'd seen and observed and who I talked to. And we all agreed that we need to accelerate this. And so Feddy was born. And Feddy's objective is to take Feddy Min as a base protocol and to accelerate the adoption of, of, of Bitcoin to billions of users over the coming years. Because we cannot wait. We have a technology that allows for the rapid rollout of Bitcoin with incredible levels of privacy, high levels of safety, and direct integration with Lightning. So why are we waiting? There's no reason why. And that's where Feddy, Feddy's journey started. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things I want to jump in and, and just throw out there for people that are listening. One, you have participated in some incredible conversations at some of the conferences we've put on recently, many other ones as well, but I'm just more, more familiar with the, the ones related to Bitcoin Magazine. So I'd highly encourage people to go and we'll put them in the, in the, in the chat in a minute, but at Bitcoin Amsterdam, you had an incredible conversation, I think called Bitcoin is borderless, really going yep. into some of these specific examples of people who, have, who were being empowered by Bitcoin to escape these oppressive, oppressive regimes. There's also a fantastic talk you did at Bitcoin 2022 on the open source stage, specifically about federated Chaumian mints and kind of really mm -hmm. going into what they are. I thought that one was great as well. So if you're curious about these this technology or you want to hear more of the incredible conversations that Obi's had, I'd highly recommend you check those out. I also want to direct people to the awesome website that I believe you guys have put together, which is fediment.org that really goes through and explains what a federated Chaumian mint is and what it can do with these like really well articulated images. So I think those are great resources. And shout, I, out, to, shout out to Pete Wynn on that one. Oh, He's awesome. not, he started off just deciding as a member of the really awesome Fediment open source community wanting to contribute. And he re-architected our sort of one or two page site into this incredible resource. And then Feddy, the commercial entity that's trying to accelerate, managed to um, snap him up and he's now joined us, our product and education lead. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm so excited to hear that. Um, and also just to set context, you, you did an amazing job of it, but there was a conversation that you participated in with Matt O'Dell recently on Twitter Spaces. And I thought he did a good job of explaining why systems like Fediment are, and Feddy, what you guys are doing is so important, which is that people will use the, the most people will use the system that is the simplest for them. And so really yeah. you guys are trying to create a tool that's on the spectrum of, you know, full self-custody, which is, which can be very challenging for people, you know, for the average person, certainly, but especially when you're, when you're trying to support people in countries who don't have access to as many resources as we do, you know, in America or in the UK. So I really think of Fediment and what you guys are doing at Fedi as being an important step if you have like full self-custody on one side and you have like, you know, being fully cooked and having all your Bitcoin on an exchange on the other, Fediment is, you know, much, much better. And then somewhere in the middle, you have, you know, having a hot wallet on your phone or something like that. Fediment and what you guys are doing at Feddy is a really important step in the direction for being somewhere over here between, you know, the, you know, having a hot wallet, which some people may be at risk for getting stolen or losing and, mm. you know, full self-custody. So, I think there's a couple yeah. technologies in that in that vein, but I think you guys are really leading the charge there. Is there anything you'd add to that? Would you 
clarify? No, I, I think I think the realization is well. First of all, there's two bits there about making it really easy and about sovereignty. So, the the gold standard, the Bitcoin standard, is self sovereignty. You know, and if you can do that, you should do that, and we should all aim to progress people towards that. And we, as an organization, have that attitude. You then have this other option at the other extreme, which is no no sovereignty, which is sto storing your money with an exchange. And that is a problem. And I think that problem is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And as the drawbridges, the way to transfer between self-sovereignty and no sovereignty gets harder and harder with increasing regulation, we're going to find people stuck, potentially, the risk is stuck on the wrong side of that drawbridge. So, but that's no sovereignty. What we provide is community. So it's not self-sovereignty, but the community comes together to use their own um, God-given abilities to determine who within their community is acted in, acted with integrity, acted with community service, and acted with passion towards the community. And, and those people are effectively chosen to become the guardians of the coin and assets that the community has on behalf of the community. And so that is this middle ground from a sovereignty point of view. But once you do that, it allows you to do a number of things. This structure still maintains a number of elements from a user experience point of view as you have an exchange. So you can have a user experience which is as simple on a day-to-day -day usage basis as using exchange for most of the members of the community. But it's simpler because you don't have the overhead of the sign-up process and the, the KYC registration process that you have with an exchange. It's scan a QR code and you're in. So you have a simpler experience than using an exchange. And because you have this community custody offering as well, it has the potential, and we'll show that soon when we release the product, to have a backup experience which is simpler and but uh, but as powerful as the backup experience, the best practice backup experience for self-custody as well, but much, much simpler. So you can be signed up and using, there's no sign up, but you can be connected and using a Fedimint, Fedi Federation in a matter of seconds, literally the entire process, which is other options. And you can have a user experience, which is simpler than both other options as well. And people, and, and, wow. but you get privacy without asking. It just happens. You get access to the Lightning Network without asking, it just happens. And the reality is, is that if you have to explain people or they have to take action to perform privacy, unfortunately, what we've seen is that for the majority of people, they won't perform those actions. They won't take those steps. So we just bake it in. Your normal usage gives you cryptographically near perfect privacy. And that's how we get privacy in there. And whenever you make a payment, you just scan a QR code and you pay. You don't even need to know you're using the Lightning Network. You just are. Yeah, and I think that's so important. I think, you know, we're, we're starting to see more and more applications. And of course, they're always the most successful ones that instead of trying to be like, we're building this cool thing with Bitcoin, instead of trying to take things that exist in the modern era and then re-implement them using Bitcoin just because we can, which is, or we, you know, we, sh we should, which is still valuable. 
being able to leverage the aspects of Bitcoin, the aspects of the Lightning Network that you truly can't beat using any other system, right? And then it just becomes kind of self-evident. It's like, as you said, it's like, it doesn't matter what, what specific, what you're using in the background. It's like, if it's just more performant, it's safer, it's more private, that's just the, the direction that people will naturally go towards. I just want to reiterate something you just said. I didn't realize you said that it is basically you can just sign up and be using or not even sign up, but start engaging with the system by scanning a QR code. And that that's actually faster than having to, you know, obviously open a bank account, sign up with an exchange or use any of these existing systems. That's pretty fucking incredible. Yeah, it was quite funny. So Hackers Congress this year, we sponsored it as like an homage to where we first met. And we revealed Feddy Mint working on main chain. It wasn't using the Feddy app. It was using another app because just like any other open protocol, there is no limits on who can create Feddy Mint capable wallets. So Paul Miller actually created something called Flutter Mint. And it was done by a single guy in a matter of weeks, maybe with a little bit of help from other members of the community as well. And it was actually a very very good wallet implementation that works with, with Fediment. And that was used there to make transactions, buy cups of coffee on the first main chain transactions. But anyone within the, anyone within the Hackers Congress in Prague was able to sign up, well, join the Federation by scanning a QR code. And anyone who had access to the website also was able to cipher, cipher you, was able to do the same. So. Because it's perfect privacy, we have no idea of how many people, but we're guessing it's in the hundreds of people joined up in a matter of a day because they wanted to scan a QR code. But what was quite interesting, a Bitcoin waxwing was doing a presentation in in the UK, which is where I'm originally, well, where I was originally born, not conceived, conceived in Nigeria, born in, born in uh, the UK, combat rolled into Heathrow Airport. Wow. And he, he, before he was doing that, to prepare for his presentation he wanted to do for Fediment and Flutterment, I, I had a video call with him and tried to explain to him how it worked. So we got to the point where he had to join the Federation and I showed on the screen over, over a video call the QR code and he put up his phone towards the screen and then he said there was a bug on the code. It didn't work. And I was like, well, what's, what's, what's going on? And he showed me the screen and the screen showed zero, zero Bitcoin. I go, mm, you know, you've logged in. There's no bug. And it was just so fast, the sign-up process, that he didn't realize that he'd logged in. So his feedback was, we need to add some uh, sort of flourish so that you just know it's actually happened because it was just That's so funny. Fast. So that's so funny. That's how fast the sign-up <laughs> So fast that we go consciously aware that it happens. Zero transition. You're free. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will make it possible to materialize your assets in real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investment in owner-occupied properties. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado, and will be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.io today to register your interest and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. Come celebrate Bitcoin Winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. 
the largest Bitcoin conference in the world, returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. Yeah. <laughs> your, your financial shackles have already been broken. Yeah. I love it. Q, you look like you were about to. No, I, look, this is this is the part of the conversation where I, I sit back, take notes, and learn <laughs> from the two of you. No, I, no, I mean, I like I do want to dive a little more, and Obi, yeah. forgive this stupid question here, but like when when we talk about how Fetty is on top of Bitcoin and interacts with Lightning, mm. like to make it as simple as possible for the dumbest person in the room, like what is the comp you would make? Like, is this supposed to operate as like a stable coin so that the value of it doesn't move too much or realistically again for the dumbest person in the room like why or how are you comparing this for use cases so how am i comparing it for use cases i would say that you can i, I for the dumb so First of all, you're not dumb. So I, I feel I feel like I want to take a stretch that point. That's like caught me. But you can think of it in different ways. You can think of it as each federation is like this mini community created, community focused sidechain. But it's not. But it's but chain implies that the alternative is also a blockchain. It's not. It's it's this environment to run any application. But it comes with Bitcoin custody. It comes with lightning integration and it comes with privacy. So, but it's this environment to run any code, but connected in a similar way to a sidechain. But instead of a sidechain, that there's one sidechain to rule them all and everybody in the world has to use. Each time you fire up a Fediment Federation, you create a sidechain just for you and it, and it will only run the applications that you want. It always comes with those free, but it's actually sensible. So you could add a microfinance application, you could add a Bitcoin-backed stablecoin application, you could add support for lending or so on. And there's lots of people who are thinking about all these additional features. But if it only makes sense for your community to have that, why does everybody in the West of the world have to also process it or have visibility of it? So effectively, you can see a future where have hundreds of thousands of federations, each one having a selection of different features and additions that make sense for that community and group. But they will always have the ability to hold Bitcoin. They will always have the ability to communicate with the rest of the Bitcoin ecosystem using Lightning and obviously main chain. And they always provide as a fundamental base level primitive privacy by default. You have to work hard to not have privacy, but the default interaction is private. So, and that makes sense if we get to this global world, because we don't want a world where there are people who have visibility of the financial movements of hundreds of millions or billions of people. So we have to build it in as a base level. Uh, it should be easier to be private than it is to be not private as opposed to the other way around. So but that's architecturally how you can see it, these sort of different islands, but that can communicate with the rest of the world as easily as someone with a lightning wallet can communicate with the rest of the world and with Bitcoin as the base layer and privacy as a base imperative. 
Does that help? No, absolutely. I guess my my next question could be silly, and I apologize for it, but if you are using KYC Bitcoin to then sort of create your own Fetty chain, are you do you still have that same level of security, or because you've used KYC Bitcoin, you've kind of given up that to begin with? So if you have KYC Bitcoin, then when you bought an exchange, for example, then people will, the person who you bought that from will have visibility on who you are and the fact that you have bought that. But at some point you will then withdraw it to your own wallet. So that could be a self-custodial wallet. And then they will see from analyzing the blockchain that you've drawn it to that wallet. It could be another exchange, for example, and they will see that it was sent to that exchange. But once it's in the exchange, they won't know how you've transferred it around within the exchange. So if you send money from, I won't give names to exchanges, but exchange A to exchange B, exchange B A knows that you've sent to exchange B, but then if you send, if you trade it within exchange B, if you send it to someone else from exchange B, they have no visibility from analyzing the blockchain, what you've done. But what, what Exchange B does is they have full visibility on what you've done. Now let's take this, I'll say it's a scenario of Fedimint. If you send your, your Bitcoin, your money from Exchange A to a Fedimint, after that, any, any use, any internal transfers within your community, and that community doesn't need to be a physical community. It could be cypherpunks from around the world or friends, that old ex-schoolmates ex and this is a product like, for anyone, anywhere. My um, fantasy football then, like I could put yeah, my fantasy so, football league in this. Cool. Exactly. So then if you send fantasy football league is perfect example. And when you say football, is it football or uh, American uh, football with your feet or, or, or the one with your hands? The, the hand <laughs> one in America with like the weirdly shaped ball. The, 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 the weird shaped ball with that you use with your hands, that football. Yes, okay. Yes. So I just want to make, yeah, so your the fantasy hand, The hand egg. Yeah. <laughs> so then you would send it to, you would send from the, the exchange A will see that you've sent it to this Fediment where your fancy football league team members are. And then, but any movements within that will be not visible to, to A. But also the people who are the guardians who have been elected as guardians of that federation because of the Chami and eCash protocol, have absolutely no visibility as well, unlike HB. So the way to think and, about it is- And the guardians um, are basically community members. Like, so you could, yeah, the guardians could be respected people in the community. It could be a church group. It could be business people who people trust. So it leverages that existing trust structure. Yeah. And we see the range. So if it's like a family, it might be the, you know, the matriarch and patriarch of the family or more likely the kids of the family are the most more likely technical people. Some some group extended family, the the each each family each nuclear family will choose one member and they they form a federation for that. It could be a church group and like the church leaders could could choose people federation. It could be a it could be a company and then and we've had interest from companies and heads of departments could be guardians. It could be a, a town and town leaders can elect guardians. And at, at the other end of the scale, we have these human rights defenders groups and they have communities of you know, entire countries and they want to set up and they have a number of 
different operatives or, or members within within those communities and those countries they deal with. And they can set up sub-federations for different parts of the country and choose guardians from their, their community. You have you could have privacy advocates who decide to set up a federation, that, for example, for people to generally access, etc. So communities, we, we're really excited to see the different types of communities and which ones have more traction than others. But if you just take this example, just let's say you have right now, even the Lightning Network provides much, much improved privacy over using Bitcoin on chain, but there's still information that can leak from a, a Lightning transaction. If someone is paying close attention, they can track certain information. So let's say you are a sovereign individual with sovereign custody and you have your own Bitcoin node, your own wallet and your own lightning node, which is the great, that's the Bitcoin standard. And then there's, so you're, you're sovereign individual A and then you've got sovereign individual B, who's the same. If I send a lightning, that's a, having your own lightning node is equivalent to having your own private road to your mansion. Yeah. And then you send to Sovereign Angel B. If someone's paying close attention, they may be able to work out that there's been a transaction between A or B or some information about that and who it's going from and, from and to. If you now are, let's say, this city federation, let's say Las Vegas, and then there's another one, Reno. Now, if you win Federation Las Vegas, any transactions within as the saying goes, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas you're not going to be able to know anything. And even the people who are the, the governors of Vegas won't have any visibility on what is happening within Vegas. If you send a transaction from someone in, in Vegas, send some transaction to someone in Reno, all that you can have if someone is paying close attention is to know that someone, someone in Las Vegas sent value to someone in Reno. And that's all that you can know. If they send the value to sovereign individual A, then you'll know that someone in Las Vegas sent value to sovereign individual A. So even if you're a sovereign individual A, it still might make sense to have an apartment, I'm stretching the metaphor now, in Reno, Las Vegas, for your, your pied-à-terre, so that that could be your for your day-to-day -day spend. So even if you want to be a sovereign individual, your wallet to send you from your, your main stash for your day-to-day -day expenditure, and you spend from there because you just get default extra effort privacy for these transactions. And you just store like a day, just like with your purse, you take money out of your bank vault or, or from a bank and you put it into a purse, your wallet, and you spend from your wallet, it should be the same. So even if you don't feel of someone who needs to custody all your value there and you want to maintain self-custody and you can afford to do it, you have the technical capabilities to do it, you, you live under a regime which you're able to do that and so on, which is the minority of people on the planet, by the way. Minority of people on the planet live in democracies, the majority of the people. We are the edge case living here. You know, the, yeah. the norm is to live under authoritarian regime or dictatorship. Even if you are there, it still makes sense to use systems like this for your, your, daily, your daily driver and, and transfer back because that will give you increased privacy and a simple experience. And for various technical reasons, potentially reduce lightning on-chain fee costs as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it really does have the possibility to, to vastly improve 
the experience of using Bitcoin across these multiple axes, which is so interesting to me. And it can be done with the technology today. You know, we had another conversation recently with with a couple of people, including Alex Gladstein, about the possibility of doing roll-ups on Bitcoin. And, you know, mm-hmm. exciting another exciting opportunity for, you know, solving the problem of how do you get, you know, at the extreme end, the entire world's population into Bitcoin, right? Because there's only so much, of course, as you know this, but for our audience, there's only so much space in each block. And, and, and that's something that, you know, it's an exciting possibility, but that's, you know, years and years off. There would have to be a, another soft fork and all this other stuff implemented for that to even be possible. Whereas, you know, what we're talking about here with Federated Chamois and Mints and what you guys are doing with Fetty is, is possible today. So... Yeah, it's possible today. It also has these a number of benefits, especially when you come to the overlooked but really important problem of backup, recovery of backup, and the dealing with subjects that people don't like to talk about, but what to yeah. do in the event of death and recovery. Having had to go through that in my own life with family and friends, I realize that a lot of people don't realize that there's an, always this element of subjectivity to dealing with these things. A lot, very, very large percentage of, of, of situations when you have to recover assets in the event of someone passing away, for example, lead to subjective discussions. So you have to involve a community. You have to, unless you do not want to be able to give your assets to anyone upon your passing away, other people have to be involved. One of the great benefits of, of a fediment is it, it makes it, it provides a solution to how to deal with that just by nature of the way it works because you have these guardians available. There could be mechanisms to put in place where funds are releasable in the event of something happening like that. And also just more, more sort of less morbid and more everyday is if you forget your password and so on, if, it's, if you're self-custodying and you haven't taken the correct action, then you're, you're out of luck. If you use an exchange, you can call someone up and you can handle it, et cetera. With, with Fediments that are sort of community size and so on, we can have an experience which is similar to that of an exchange you can recover. And in fact, actually, we're very excited to show it. In many ways, it's much better than that of exchange because you're not trying to go to some stranger and convince them that you are who you are. You're going to people who have known you for their entire life. And so they, they know who you are because they know you. They gave birth to you. They, they, you gave birth to them. They're your best friend. And you have to get a quorum of them to agree that you are who you are. Try, try trying to convince your best friends or your family that you are, that Q is P or P is Q. You know, it's, I, I would much prefer that to be my sort of protection against, against people trying to, to scam or con then just some underpaid, overworked, disgruntled Silicon Valley customer service rep who's just looking at you know, to try and figure it out. Yeah. Well said. I'm curious, what uh, what are some of the, the biggest challenges that you guys are facing as you're trying to build this out? What are the, what are the biggest roadblocks for you guys? This is going to sound really hackneyed, but there is... We need to duplicate ourselves. We need many more. We need many more Obies. We need many more Justins. Many more Erics. We've been very fortunate. Just two days ago, we had our latest new hire, which is Renata Rodriguez, fresh from Paxful. It's gonna. She's she's amazing, and she's going to be looking to help us roll out across Latin America and Africa. 
because although this is a product for the world, we think that the global South has an incredible part to play to empower Bitcoin. No, and that's not a that's not a, a misquote. We're going to see an inflection point where we can test and show these systems like Fedi in some of the most difficult parts in the world. And if it works there, it can work everywhere. And the learnings it will help roll out everywhere. And I think someone like Renato is perfectly placed to help us with that. I already mentioned Pete Wynn, who joined, who's, who's incredible product prior to Bitcoin, incredible product lead and manager, who's helping us sort of solidify our product vision as, uh, in general, but also with a specific focus on education, because that's a key part of what we want to do. And we also have DPC, who's joined us from Bitco, who was staff, uh, a senior staff engineer at Bitco, Bitco's biggest custodian of Bitcoin in the world, credible Rust engineer. And uh, so we are, uh, uh, the list goes on, we have Leon Johnson, who, who, who is the founder of Advancing Bitcoin Conference in, in the UK, a longtime Bitcoiner who's joined us for head of operations and so on. So we, we've got an incredible team. Fedi Mint as well has incredible set of open source engineers, many of them NIMS, who have just chosen to commit themselves to, to this. We have an incredible set of people supporting the open source project like the Human Rights Foundation, Spiral, and many more, 1031. Plus we have, you know, nine, nine Bitcoin only VCs and angels who have, who've, who've um, supported Fedi, the commercial entity. But demand for what we want to do and its applicability to so many different markets is so huge that we need, we just need more people. And this is weird because at the time we're cognizant of the commercial, of the socio-economic environment right now. And so, although we've just raised and we're very well funded, but in a way that's even more important for us to accelerate the adoption because we need it. You know, Bitcoin is a lifeboat and we need to have a viable solution to get people off rapidly. And that's off exchanges rapidly and outside, out of the fiat system rapidly. And we think that Fedimint is that. So there will be, we will be looking for people who can help us take this thing, this sort of Google for Bitcoin and grow it. So we want our Eric Schmitz, you know, we want our Earth horses, you know, these, you know, these people who are key initial employees who helped this organization grow like crazy and meet its potential. So if, if anybody's listening, you thinks they can do that on the overall operation rollout, mass accelerated rolls across the world with a initial focus on the global south. If there's people who can help us as we want to grow our technology team rapidly and have, and have sort of been there, done that, they're like, you know, uh, people like the equivalent of people like a strikes rock star, you know, and so on. Come talk to us. We're really happy, happy to chat. Sorry to do a bit of a pitch. No, there, no, no, no. I love it. I was going to say. Point of this. We we would love nothing more than for whoever comes on to help further expand Fetty in the project to have listened to that call to action. Like, fuck, make sure you just kick back 5% in total (laughs) to both P and I. Five percent for recruitment fees is actually very low. So hey, I'm I'm not a greedy man. I want to see I want to see global adoption. Free negotiation. You're only five percent already. I mean, I get it. I I don't I don't need much to keep myself sustained and happy. I'm a skinny guy. I don't need a lot. <laughs>
Wait, but in, in all seriousness, how can people get a hold of you and the team Obi, if they have ideas, if they want to reach out about potential opportunities there? Oh, there's lots of ways. For me, you can access me on Twitter. So I'm Obi on Twitter, just my name, at Obi. That's because I was gotten on Twitter very early. I was going to say, you, can, you can't just drop a three-letter Twitter handle I know. and be like, oh, you know, know, it just happened. It's shorter than Jack's. It's shorter than Jack's. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, but, you know... But beyond that, if you're interested in supporting the open source protocol Fedimint, then you should um, go onto the we have a go onto fedimint.org, and we have a, a Discord there, GitHub, just proof of work, just start contributing. It's a really active group of people, and we'll welcome you with open arms if you're ready to roll up your sleeves and help build the mo one of the most important protocols for the Bitcoin ecosystem in our view. If you are interested in Feddy, the commercial entity that's going to take this technology and use it to accelerate the adoption of Bitcoin across the world, then you should contact us on info at and go to feddy.xyz, our website, find out more and click, or just click the contact button and, and chat. And if you want to talk to me directly, just, just send me a private message or a, a direct message on Twitter. And I and I'll go through those and and get back to you. Obi, how much did you pay Jack to let you have a three-letter Twitter handle? Because I just went and tried to change mine to just Q, and it won't let me. It says a minimum of three yeah, letters. There are even one letter. But um, I I mean I joined Twitter. Very, yeah, I know, I know, but it's just like, but I many people ask about it, but I joined Twitter really early on. I mean, I'm. I'm I'm getting on in age, so I'm I'm 47 right now. So, so you know, so I got there very early, and yeah, I just had that name. I asked for my name. Luckily, I think maybe because it's not common in the West, and it was when there were only like a few hundred thousand users, you could still snap these names up. I I'm sure you've you're so sick of the joke, but I think the only reason people in the West have ever heard Obi as a name is because of Star Wars. Well, there's Star Wars. Let me count the ways. There's Star Wars. There is Obi Trice was popular for a while. There was a reference to Austin Powers because he kept on going Obi Have. You know, <laughs> oh, I, like that. That. I like that because because I mean, by the way, I have no problem being likened to a Jedi Knight. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, there is that. I mean, that's 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 let's be clear, a Jedi Master actually. Yes. Yeah, Jedi Master. Short. Yeah, and then there was so yeah, those are those are, are some of the options, and they're all great things to be be compared to. Absolutely. Oh, I know we talked a little bit about you know the challenges you guys have and the call to action we just discussed, but that's let's say these problems and this gets solved. What do you want to see Fedi grow into? Where are sort of the next steps for this? How far do you want to push it and in what ways? So for Fedi, this is the commercial organization, I think Fedi, the vision is it for, we to, for it to be the Google for Bitcoin. So Google does free, did three things. It, it was code, consolidate, and campaign. Yeah. So the code is the application that it built internally for free that got in incredible amount of adoption and usage. There are things like YouTube, Gmail, Google Drive, etc. Then Consolidate 
what it did is not just keep it all for itself. It, it found the best, it surfaced the best of the internet and made that available to people. And it did that through search. Yeah. And then finally, campaign. It used, in this case, AdWords to connect all these people to the best of the internet. And it earns money from doing that. We will do the same for Feddy. First, the code will be the Feddy app powered by FediMint. It's an incredible privacy-preserving form of custody, directly integrated with Lightning, with multi-signature coin custody, as well as an incredibly easy, we'll, we're looking forward to show it, way to back up and recover and use. So from that, we expect to get incredible adoption. It's, you can sign up in seconds and use it. So very large customer base for that. So the Feddy app will be our code. Consolidate, we within the app, because we don't just want to win by ourselves, but we win by helping other people win. The, the nature of using a FediMint means you need to, a FediMint needs to partner with or connect to Lightning nodes. So it drives volume towards Lightning node operators. It, you need to have coin nodes running. So we'll, can, we'll collaborate with people like Umbrel and Raspberry Blitz and Start9 and Noddle to make it easy for people to set up their own nodes. Also within the app, we will showcase the best of the Bitcoin and Lightning ecosystem. If, you, For example, many people want to earn more money in these parts of the world. Things like Stackwork allow you to do that. Many people will want to convert and exchange. So we can surface things like BitRefill or Pocket or Bitter or, or Relay or other mechanisms to convert. So we will surface that there. And then finally is Campaign. In the, case of, uh, in the case of Google, they did it with AdWords. In our case, we will be hiring a number of people across, especially across Latin America and Africa, to go out and educate, onboard people to FediMint, support them, and, ex and educate them not just about Fedi, but also about all of these other services and apps that we will be showcasing. So we will be driving traffic to the greater Bitcoin ecosystem. And if you look, most Bitcoin companies tend to be heavy tech, light business development. Although Fedimint is 100% tech, Fedi is much more balanced. It's going to be quite heavy on business development because we are going to be the outsourced business development arm, not just for Fedi, but for the greater Bitcoin ecosystem, driving traffic towards these great services that already exist that people don't know about. And they'll have it in this sort of one super app. They'll be able to see it all in one place with the support network around it. So as a result, we end up becoming this Google for Bitcoin. And until Google came about, Bitcoin, the, the internet and informa for information didn't really explode. And when we come about, we want to take Bitcoin and value and have that explosion of growth as well. Is that small enough for vision or is that? No, that, that's honestly... <laughs> It's not big enough, if we're being honest. Okay, I'm, I'll work only, on it. I'll work you, on it. Nice. You only want to become synonymous with like a company that became a noun and a verb. Yeah. Let me Google that. Like, Let me I, I, I love yeah. that. Yeah, we, we, we want to become a verb. Yeah. To Fetty and a noun and a verb as well. There you go. I mean, hey man, it, it usually turns out really well for those companies that end up being verbs. But... I want to, I want to, before we shift to talk about you strictly, I want to give you sort of a runway. We spent the last hour talking about Fetty and Fetty Mints. 
for our audience, is there anything else on this topic that you'd like for them to just know or understand? Oh, about Freddie and Freddie Mintz? Just about, like, about, no, so no, no, no. Very, we're, we're about to get to know you very, very well now. But before we do that. No, I has, think we covered a lot. we didn't ask you? I think we covered a lot. It's We have an, an incredible team we want to add to the team. We, it's really exciting and an honor to be seeing the birth of this technology. You know, a company is is almost like a living thing. You, you you put a lot of effort into it and you give birth to it and help it as it, it gains its own strength and traction. And the potential as we go by, every, uh, the, every week that goes by becomes just bigger and bigger. When you see, I, I will also actually, one thing I do want to say, because behind the scenes, whenever I go to conferences, I've been to many, like a, probably a dozen in the last, in four continents in the last few weeks, few months, and, and there'll be two more continents worth in the next uh, two months. And people come up to me saying that I'm just the words of encouragement saying how profound what we're doing is, how excited people are to see this, how the approach and the angle of this community custody is, seems, feels right to them. And then there are messages on Twitter, emails on IM from all of these people. And I just want to say that we hear you, we are listening, we feel very humbled and grateful. And that's why we work around the clock with passion, with community service, with integrity, and we will continue to do that. So thank you everybody who's done that. And please keep it up. It, it energizes us and we want to give the energy back. It's a virtuous energy circle. That's the last thing on this subject, I guess. No, that, that was so beautiful, so well said. And and I will just speak for myself when I say like, thank you for doing this work because this is the hard, often thankless work. This isn't the sexy thing that everyone's like waiting for. How are we going to get Bitcoin to be worth millions of dollars in USD? This is how do we get Bitcoin in the hands of billions of people? How do we get them using it? And that is far, far more impactful and far more important than number go up in my opinion yeah it's not billions of dollars it's billions of people absolutely now let's rewind the tape but we're going to do the part of the interview that we should have done at the very beginning but i just got so excited when we went down the fetty rabbit hole so i apologize but i know you've told this story countless times obi but for our audience sake and my own would you care to recount just sort of how you came across bitcoin Mm. So let me rewind back, but so I, before that, and then, then how I came across Bitcoin is a very simple endpoint, but it, the, the, the story makes sense. So I'm, I would say I'm an Anglo-Gerian. So I was conceived in Nigeria, born in England. My parents were hardworking, working class. They sold everything to, to make it to to the UK and like any Nigerian parents, they wanted you to do, you know, the classic doctor, account, architect, accountant, you know, something like that. Very honorable profession. But I did the, initially it seemed dishonorable thing of, of falling in love with computers at secondary school. I, 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 I heard about this thing called computer club. I went to it after school, saw these computers. First time I seen them actually in secondary school, not primary school. 
And they were playing games. I got infatuated, got really into computers. Before I was finishing my secondary school, which is, you finish secondary school around 18. And then you go to university, basically, sort of roughly 16 to 18. I was just consuming old episodes, old copies of Personal Computer World magazine and writing prints. And I was, it, it, it culminated with me writing neural networks. And I got to university, studied computer science and cognitive science, continued my interest in computers. While in university, the World Wide Web came out. This was like the mid, early, mid 90s. And my second love after computers and came the internet. I worked while in university, a group of us, because we saw the World Wide Web there, NTSA Mosaic, which became Mozilla and Firefox later on. We worked on the first website for the BBC and the first we worked on early sites for ITV and so on. So I graduated university and went into dot-com e-commerce and worked on what became one of the most successful online auction sites in Europe, ended up being sold for 2 billion. So super into tech, super into, super into internet. However, all the way through that, because of my background and because of my frequent visits back on the floors of Nigeria, I could just see there was so much missed opportunity in the world. You had incredible brains everywhere. There, this is, this is a worldwide phenomenon. This idea is not just in the West, but because of lack of resources and so on, these, the talent didn't always get surfaced up and therefore the whole world misses out because right now there's probably 50 Einsteins and 50 Elon Musks out there, but they just haven't been found. And because they haven't been found, we all lose out. Imagine if there was 50 more Elon Musks and 50 more Einsteins right now, how much better we would be. So that just seemed like a really disappointing state of affairs. The fact that the world wasn't meritocratic, it didn't surface. So this desire to see the world to be more meritocratic, find, I, we had systems to naturally find the best people for a given task to do the task. And this sort of infatuation with the internet and computing, I carried on through my career. And then one day, 2011, well, actually it was over a period of about two, two weeks or so, a number of friends independently sent me this thing about Bitcoin. And I was like, this is right up your street, Obi. It's like technology and it deals with meritocracy because fundamentally it's talking about this peer-to-peer -peer digital cash system. And when you read the white paper and you, you understand it more, you realize that it doesn't solve all problems. But a big part of the fact that we don't have a meritocracy is because the money isn't meritocratic. So that's why it, that's why I, it was my journey to Bitcoin. Because of the background and history and interests, many people, friends, my community brought me to it and, and sent it my way. I read the white paper. I bought a little bit. I was in the middle of running a company at the time, a different startup. So I, I left it. But two years later, I'd sold that other startup. And my soon-to-be co-founder, 2013, suggested I do something on Bitcoin. I looked at Bitcoin and, and its price was still actually gaining strength from where I looked at it two years ago. And all the things I really loved about the idea, the technology and the philosophy were still intact. So I thought, well, this thing has staying power. It has the potential to be the world's first meritocratic money. And if you fix the money, you go a great way to fixing many other issues. 
and it's still an early part and we could add value. So we, we launched CoinFloor, which went on to be the UK's longest running Bitcoin exchange. And we ended up selling at the end of last year to Coin Corner, which I'm really happy, happy about because they're a great company to carry on the mantle. If you do need to, to use a, say, a third party custodial exchange, Coin Corner is, is definitely a good one to go with. So, but that was my journey. Obviously, I've been in the space now for, from first hearing about it, it's, my maths is, you know, getting old maths, that's 11 years, but I've been in the space running an organization involved nine years. So obviously I still got a lifetime of learning to go because Bitcoin teaches you new stuff every single day. And I've, I've always had the desire to have lifelong learning. I never want to ever stop learning because the day you stop learning is the day you start dying. So we should always be learning. And Bitcoin gives me that in spades. <laughs> I love that. I mean, Obi, there are very few people I think who've been in this space and then more, more specifically stayed in this space. Like you have seen many, many actors come and go. Are there things that happened in the early days of Bitcoin that maybe some of the new entries, new entrants like myself, who I've only really been involved in this space heavily since like 2020, like are there things that happened eight years ago that I just may not be aware of that you see starting to percolate again that concern you? And if the answer is nothing, that's completely so I, I've got a pinned tweet. I don't know if it's about happening again, but it's, I'll go about answering it a different way. I have a pinned tweet that I, tweet, I pinned in 2020 and uh, December 2020. So it's approaching three, two years ago now, three years ago. And it's, it's using a Gandhi phrase, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. And it's, I put that down because it was part prediction and part recollection of my first several years in the Bitcoin space at that point and and even before then. So what I'm suggesting is that from the time that Bitcoin was, the white paper came out 2008 to about 2013 when we set up CoinFloor and I'd already been in the space for two years then, so about half of that period. Basically, Bitcoin was ignored. No one really cared. No one really talked about it. And it sort of tied up with that. But then I noticed that from the point we started at this crazy time in 2013, because for the first five years of CoinFloor, we were literally just laughed at. We were literally ridiculed. I was invited to these Chatham House Rules events in the city of London because it was now more than something you ignore. But it was always like almost Snickers, you know, like schoolboy Snickers in the back room when you were speaking. And it wasn't taken seriously. It oh, I think we lost um, your audio for a sec. You lost my order? You've got it back? Or? Just for the last like five seconds. You, but I'm you right said back there were like now. Snickers and it was. Oh, yeah, just basically, they, you know, the the shadowy hand was cutting out certain words just as i said it if i'm going to be tinfoil hat like 
No, literally, it, it did it again for a second. Okay, it did it again. Okay, well, hopefully it works. So, the point is, we were we were laughed at, and then and then something happened in 2018. Bitcoin didn't die. <laughs> I love it. Dude, ever you since ever, I put this on, your audio you is coming through perfectly. Okay. I, I don't have the equivalent. No, you're <laughs> fine. Okay. You're fine. You keep it rolling. This is protecting all of He's us. He's protecting us with his. I can put my, my yeah. yes. Congress to protect me as well. So, love it. Yeah. So then I think it became the traditional traditional financial space. And many others started to take note that they assumed it was going to die after the fall from nearly 20,000 to, to, you know, approaching $3,000 at one point. And it didn't. And that's when people realized when this thing's not dying, okay, we realize this is a serious thing that we have to understand. And ideally attempt to co-opt. That was the point from 2018 onwards where it's switch from laugh to uh, attack. But you have to remember, Bitcoin is an idea. It's not, you can't, you can't fight it or attack it with, with guns and bullets and nuclear weapons. As an idea, you can attack it with two things, misinformation and regulation. And guess what? That's what we've been seeing over this period of time. And that's when I realized that we were entering the third phase. And my guess is that that phase is going to last five years point of time. And that's why I've said that another five years, that 2023 onwards will be the period that Bitcoin wins. Because ultimately, just like in a computer game, you can only win a computer game when you beat all the bosses and the final boss you have to win. So you cannot win that game until you've approached the final boss, you have that battle and you pass through it the other side. And that's what I think is going, to, is going to come, this sort of, we're going to have these twin forces of ever-increasing misinformation, especially around the energy and so on and so forth, and ever-increasing regulation. And we need to make sure that Bitcoin can win against both of those things. Once it does, then you'll see more reasonable regulation come in. And then you're going to see a subsiding of, of the, of the misinformation because it's clear that it doesn't work. And at that point has a negative effect to continue. And we've seen this play out with another decentralized technology already in the past. And that technology was BitTorrent. It came out prior to BitTorrent. If you wanted to get a movie, you had to buy them individually on VHS. You had to pay crazy amounts of money in box sets, cost you $50 for old movies. It was or you had to go to Blockbuster Video. And again, it was very expensive. You spend a lot of money to just hire something out for a few days. And we knew all, everybody knew that this was an unreasonable amount of price. Of price. So in that environment, BitTorrent came out. And, and the movie industry, in that case, it was the movie industry and the music industry, less powerful than traditional finance, but still the same concept, very powerful organizations. And they tried everything possible to stop it. And it came to a head where it became clear to them that, you know what, they cannot stop it. And it's starting to have a negative effect. They're seeing a backlash amongst the community of trying to stop it. And adoption is just accelerating every time they try to stop it. Because people became, 
began to realize that they couldn't stop this force. And that was when you saw things like Netflix and so on, these new breed of sites, which effectively came back and said, okay, we can't stop it. Let's now offer you a reasonable offering at a reasonable price. But I can tell you for sure, having someone who's lived through, having been someone who lived through that period, that if BitTorrent didn't exist and if it didn't and still remain as a credible alternative to unreasonable offerings from that, that from the music and, and movie industry, we wouldn't have Netflix. They wouldn't have existed. We would have still had the situation we had that day. And so the same thing is, is going to happen with Bitcoin. My guess is that it's going to come up to a head in 2023. And the combination of, of self-sovereign technologies like Moon Wallet, Green Wallet, and many, many others, Wasabi Wallet, etc., and self-custodial nodes made easier, and also Feddy and Feddy Mint, allowing, it, allowing people to, en masse, de-platform and, and, and community, have community sovereignty, will provide us a viable mechanism so that regulators and media companies, spread, mainstream media spreading misinformation about Bitcoin, will have to acquiesce. And then we'll see, because there's a credible option, the return to reasonable regulation and reasonable information about reasonable balanced reporting of, of what Bitcoin is and what it stands for. I can, I can take this off now. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Obi, that was so beautifully said. And I want to thank you for your time because I know that we, we are coming up towards the end and I want to be respectful of your next obligation. You've already said, but just remind everyone how they can stay up to date with the work you and your team are doing, how they can get in touch with you if they are interested. Okay. So stay up, stay up. New information this time. One, FeddyBTC, at FeddyBTC on Twitter. So if you want to stay up to date on what Feddy's doing and how we, as we roll out over the coming months and years, that's the place to go. If you want to find out more about Fedimint, the protocol, and you're an open source engineer and you want to contribute and you want to contribute, go to fedimint.org as an initial jumping off point. And from there, you can find all the links, Discord, GitHub, etc. And please roll up your sieves, join, join the, the, the Fedi revolution. And then to find out about myself and follow me and my musings, Twitter, at OBI, Obi, my name. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, man. I always enjoy talking to you and uh, I always learn an incredible amount. Thank you, guys. It really, it's really a pleasure as usual. It's been too long. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, well, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. And I want to say again, everyone, go check out the incredible conversations that Obi has had at various conferences. He was at Bitcoin 2022, he was at Bitcoin Amsterdam. You can find all of those by going to our YouTube. And after, of course, you like and subscribe, you can search under our videos for Obinwasu and all, they will all come up. Also check out his appearances at other conferences. Like I said, he's done a lot of incredible stuff. I also want to remind everybody that if you have not already, you can use code BMLIVE to get your tickets to Bitcoin 2023 which will be absolutely incredible. You can also use that same code, that's BMLIVE, to get 10% off of the print magazine. Again, that will save you 10% on both Bitcoin 2023 tickets and the print magazine. We will see you tomorrow, same time, same place.
Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. The censorship-resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today.